Gentlemen, are we ready? Ready. Let's go. Hello, Internet, and welcome to another episode of Geek Anthology. I am your host, Neil Cordray, and I'm joined this week by the one true Ben and Mike. And uh, we're going to start with the spoiler of the week because it leads in nicely enough to. Uh, to the top to the topic at hand spoiler of the week here is writers do not get enough credit yes we are simply pandering to to, to ben um, um so a, a bit of backstory as has been well established in uh in this podcast's uh many various uh uh discussions i spend an awfully large amount of time of my time on on youtube um and a a movie clip uh came up on my YouTube, which brought me down a rabbit hole, uh, which has turned into an episode. Um, and we'll get to that clip a little bit later in the episode, so I'm not going to spoil it here. But what we're going to be talking about this uh, this this time is, well, honestly, really good, is good writing of dialogue in movies, specifically small exchanges. Little scenes that, uh, that, um, that are poignant or funny or just very well written that 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 usually are not even plot sensitive um i don't think i don't think many of these one of these i think is in what we've got but it's all it's it's quippy and am i uh, gentlemen do you feel like i'm explaining this at all properly yeah it's basically it's bits of dialogue that uh exchanges that basically make the uh, basically make the scene exactly yeah also, um, a lot of it provides insight into the characters involved too. Yeah, that's a that's a common theme. Mm-hmm. Definitely, they're they're very and or into the overall world or setting or or, or things along the. Yeah. Uh, as a result, there is going to be some audio some some audio clips from movies and television in this episode. Um, I would argue, and will and will uh will stake uh my my reputation on the fact that the point of this podcast is to draw light upon the upon these clips for commentary and criticism therefore it constitutes fair use under united states copyright law i can't cite i can't cite the specific uh uh areas um but no copyrights were violated in this, in this episode well actually technically yes they are but in a, but in a manner that is fair and legal right that's that's not a copyright violation Right. Uh, apparently, it's section 107 okay. of so, the copyright act of, of the Digital Millennial Copyright. Gotcha. So now that we've got that part covered, um, <laughs> now that we've got the legal shit covered, yes, this is the stuff that you scroll past on the internet. Well, I mean, a lot Millen- of people millennium, just... not millennial. There's a bit of a difference there. <sighs> that would be a lot. The digital millennial so. copyright. <laughs> I said that. <laughs> it only it only applies to it only applies to people born during certain years. <sighs> yes. I am right out. Back um, in the back in the days when the uh, the term millennium was ooh wondrous and impressive. It was it mostly applied. Remember, to remember, Will, remember the Will Smith album Millennium. Oh gotta God. love that mm-hmm. it's like is one it of the most staggeringly egocentric yeah egocentric things also i mean for for our content here 
also for constitution of fair use we're going to be using like this is like a get about be about an hour half long podcast and i think we have let's see we have 17 clips of about a minute to 30 seconds a piece so it's not actually a whole lot like it's gonna we, we have about maybe 10 minutes of content that is not our own generated so <laughs> sorry I'm, I'm covering all my bases i i don't want to get sued uh, right <laughs> <clears throat> in any case, uh, first, of course, we do have single boost. Um, who wants to start? Because I like to go last. All right, well, I'll jump in. I'll throw myself in front of that bus. So my big signal boost this week, um, actually, I got two. Uh, one I just saw a few minutes ago. I'll save that one for last. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll do that one first. Just saw the uh, just saw the um, the trailer for uh, The Witcher Season 2, which is coming out on December 7th. Excellent. That was pretty good. Uh, so signal boost there. Um, another signal boost, Dropout TV. I don't normally just, you know, uh, subscribe to shit at random, but this this is good for at least a couple months worth of content because uh, I uh, I have checked it out because I, I originally uh, was looking for um, for the uh, Misfits and Magic, and come to find out there are seasons of Dimension Twenty, uh, you know, Unsleeping City and uh, and Fantasy High, which both of which I, I love. Um, that are not available on YouTube. And if, if you ever wondered uh, where College Humor went, the answer is Dropout TV, pretty much. Right. <laughs> and Dimension Twenty kicks ass uh, into that. There also, uh, I think that's also where you can get new episodes of Um Actually, mm-hmm. um, not just on YouTube. But you can probably get those. Well, Um Actually <coughs> is uh, is like a like a year or so behind on. Uh, on stuff so um but yeah there and um there's there's all kinds of good content there like i said i originally was was looking at it for you know fantasy high and then you know season two and uh season two city and then i ran across misfits and magic um and it is some good stuff uh misfits and magic uses the uh kids on brooms uh uh which is based on the kids on bikes uh system and um the uh it's got a really great cast, including Brendan Lee Mulligan, um, who is normally the GM on um, uh, on Dimension Twenty stuff. On Dimension Twenty stuff, yeah. So he's playing a a beautiful, uh, um, beautifully flawed character. I won't spoil it, but he's it's fun. Um, and the uh, the GM for it is um, and if you've uh, Mike uh, Erica Ishii is in this one too. Oh, cool. Yeah, she's uh, part of the um, Escape from Bloodkeep cast. I, also, I really enjoyed that series. And also uh, from uh, L.A. by Night. Yeah, well, I've seen her all around. I mean, she's, you know, she makes the uh, streaming rounds. You know, she's a staple on Geek and Sundry and right. Nerdist and all that good stuff. Right. And uh, the Game Master is Abria Iyengar, which who, she reminds me of, like, the Whoopi Goldberg's daughter. <laughs> she's she's, uh, she's GMing the, um, or DMing, I should say, the mini campaign that they're doing between big campaigns and Critical Role, that Exandria Unlimited I saw that. Doing like eight episodes of that. Yeah, yeah, she's been doing a pretty good job so far. And uh, evidently, she uh, she's the um, she's part of uh, DiceEnvy.com CMO. I don't know what uh, what option that is, but um, yeah, she's really good. And she also um, I guess she's running something for Pirates of. Uh, she's a player in uh, Pirates of Leviathan. So, um, so yeah, it looks like. Uh, um, so yeah, she she's doing a really good job. She's using a new system. Uh, they're all playing in a new system, so they're kind of learning as they go. But so it's really cool. All right, so so uh, who's next? Tag, you're it. Uh, I guess I can go next. Um, 
mine isn't nearly as involved. Um, it's just a, um, it's a funny YouTube channel called The Basement. And um, stumbled across it because there's, there's these uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild videos of them just doing silly shit. And a lot of it is like ragdoll physics of uh, falling off these, like they'll set a bomb and blow themselves up. So they go flying off a cliff and they'll just be like the, the link model will just be like flailing around <laughs> and like bouncing off like ledges and stuff and just contorting and just, just the most ridiculous kind of, you know, physical comedy you can imagine. And it just feels like you're in the room with them, you know, laughing at the ridiculousness. It's, it's pretty great. One of those things you have to see for yourself to really get, but um, yeah, it's pretty funny, pretty funny stuff there. I mean, you know, it's such a great, such a great sandbox. There's so much comedic potential with all the goofy items and stuff, like flinging around uh, the various items and creatures and stuff. Because sometimes you'll have like glitches and stuff. So like they were flinging out these little like lizards, and then they weren't falling right. They're just kind of like floating, floating off into the ethers. <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. But it looks like they have a, an amusing channel in general, but that's. Basically, all I saw was the Breath of the Wild stuff, The Basement. Check it out. All right, so Neil, it's on you now. I had to unmute my microphone. Um, because I'm trying to also queue up clips, I, I was a little bit muted there. Uh, so I have three uh, signal, um, one of which has been signal boosted two times before, but I think we're probably going to end up doing an episode about it, so I want to signal boost it more time. And that was uh, Amazon Prime's Invincible. Um Seriously, check it out. It's it's really good. There's my there's my half second review. Um, I think we should. I think we're probably. I'm probably. We're probably going to do an episode on it just because it. There's a lot that's that's worth talking about in it, and I want to gush a bit. Um, signal boost number two, um, and also slight signal boost two and a half. Um, I want to signal boost the game I've been playing really hard recently on my Twitch stream, which, by the way, is twitch.tv slash ringitonblue. Check me out. I stream Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays, uh, and also typically Saturdays. Um, although sometimes I have to, like, something will come up and, I have, and I'll have to swap a day somewhere, but that's beside the point. Um, and that is, I have been playing Control. Uh, came up for sale on uh, through GOG uh, during their summer sale, and I picked it up for, like, 15 bucks. Um, and it's incredibly good. Um, I very much recommend it to anyone who likes to have things recommended to them. Uh, it's, it's got a, uh, it's got a very, like, it's got a very SCP or Call of Cthulhu or Delta Green feel to it, except it's not hopeless. Like you, if you will, if you will pardon the, uh, the, uh, the obvious play on words, you are somewhat in control um, during the game. So you get to interact with with, with a world of supernatural horror um, and, uh, and extra-dimensional th uh, threat and the paranormal, or I think actually they call it paranatural because it's that, because it's, of course they do. Um, but it's, um, but it's, you, you are not, you are while you are threatened by it you are not overwhelmed by it which i like i like a lot of the world building of of horror uh, tropes and i enjoy enough reading them but i um but i don't like participating in them because i don't particularly like being hopeless there is a distinct lack of hopelessness in this horror uh, thing it's it's like that's not the point of it um and in case this is a selling point for anyone it's also set in the same universe as alan as the alan wake games um and the third thing i want to signal boost is uh there's an acapella group called voice play which was really great 
and they did a uh, cover of Oogie Boogie's song from The Nightmare Before Christmas um, a couple, three years back, and it was, and it's really great, and you should give it a listen to. I, uh, I, I'm signal boosting this, even despite the fact that it really doesn't need it, uh, because uh, a vo a voice person of a vocal coach reacting to it came up in my YouTube recommended list, and I always enjoy watching those because of the way the song ends. Uh, that's the most tease you get about that. So that's all I got. Um, I guess since we've already done the um, since we've already done the uh, what you call it spoiler of the week, we could just kind of jump right in. Word. And uh, give me just a second here. I uh, figure we'll start with the one that uh, we'll start with the one that uh, that precipitated this. But I got to make sure I got it in the right spot. We'll cut this part out. <laughs> it's actually the very beginning of this. Of this. All right. So this this clip coming up in my in my uh, Facebook or not Facebook in my YouTube recommended feed is what got me on this thing. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about the impact it has. Things along those lines. So. Here we go. <clears throat> Aurelio speaking. I heard you struck my son. Yes, sir, I did. And may I ask why? Yeah, well, because he stole John Wick's car, sir, and uh, killed his dog. Oh. <laughs> that's a man who knows he's fucked. <laughs> yes. It's a really funny. Oh. It, it's it, that that oh he. So so this is obviously from uh, from John Wick. Um, if you couldn't tell, uh, well I'll set I'll set them up better, uh, or or whoever recommended them will set them up better uh, in the future. Um, but I want to just sort of go into this one here. So if you haven't seen John Wick, you should see John Wick. It was really good. I really do think the first one was probably the best. Agreed. Um, and we did an episode about it, and uh, and the second one, and the third one. So. You could also check those out. Um, and I know we talked about this scene when we talked about the about the uh, when we when we uh, talked about John Wick because this is a fan. This, this is like so up until this point we know nothing about John Wick other than his wife just died, and he speaks Russian. Fluently. Like we, yes, <laughs> he speaks fluent Russian, um, much to the surprise of a Russian gangster. Um, and um, so we we we're, we're he, there has been hinting. Oh, and he drives really well. Yeah. And he just got a dog, which then just died. This sets up the th this this further goes on to it to really, um, like ma like th this this drops a huge hint as to what uh, as to just what's about to happen because Aurelio runs a chop runs a chop shop and recognizes the car. Yeah, recognizes the car um, and punches the mob boss's son because um, this guy calls. Yeah, because this guy calls it. I heard you struck my son. Yeah, he's like, all. He's, he's so mad. He's fuming. Right. Yeah, and, and so yeah, and Aurelio. I mean, completely unfazed by this. You know, it's like, well, yeah, like yeah. this is the stupidest thing ever that I have to explain this. Well, know? I mean, it. It also he. Like he has to, um, he has to cover himself, but he also like he has to be like, yeah, yeah, I did. Why? Because he done fucked up, son. Yeah, because he done fucked up, sir. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and he and fucked this... up so bad right. that <laughs> I want it. I want it completely obvious to everyone, mostly John, really, that I, I would that I had nothing to do with this. 
Right, because early on, the guy who brings the car in wants to tap it shop, and Aurelio not only punches him, but sends him on his way without touching the car. He doesn't want it chopped. He wants it... Uh, he basically wants it... Uh, he wants it... He wants uh, it flipped. Yeah, wants it flipped. He wants yeah. clean pep- papers and Vin. Um, right. And Aurelio was like, fuck you. <laughs> you know? Go away. Um, yeah, I it, am like, this, this, thing is, this thing is weapons-grade plutonium. I don't want it anywhere near me. Yeah. This thing is so hot it glows in the dark. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here with it, you know. And and he's waiting for John to show up, you mm-hmm. know. So yeah, he's also that, waiting on the call from Vigo. Yeah. And when he call and when Vigo calls in, it's like, well, this is the call. And Vigo's just gets oh. <laughs> yeah. And suddenly, suddenly, Aurelio striking his son is the least of his problems. Yeah. And since this is a purely auditory medium, uh, you don't quite get the full picture because. He also very visibly deflates. Yeah. Like he's because he was he's mad. He is fuming. He's like he is essentially Aurelio is getting a courtesy call to explain himself before he gets, you know, a hit squad set after him. And goes from righteous indignation to like remembering that you have a test tomorrow and you didn't study at all. (laughs) Yes. Right. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, you've got a project that's due tomorrow and you didn't do anything. You know, all you got is dirt in a cup. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. And it's, like I said, it, it is a very good visual, but it's also a good verbal clip. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> yeah, everything everything that's uh, part of tonight's episode is definitely worth watching. I mean, you know, the listening is great too, but you know, I, I will, gets lost and stuff. I will make a, uh, I will make a YouTube playlist and I'll link and I'll link things in, uh, for, uh, and I'll, I'll put a link on there so you can get all the clips. Cause I'm getting these all from, um, to, to quote a vine. It was at this moment. He knew he was fucked. Yeah. That's pretty much it. <laughs> so let's go, to, let's, let's move to something, to another one, another random clip. I, I, Cause okay. this was good, but yeah, we, we got yeah, what, this, 16 more of these. Yes. Yeah, so we're we're going to have to move through them, but we got time to discuss. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's see. Um, let's leave Mike in the cold for a second. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> That's right. I can just go make a sandwich while you talk about Doctor Who. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which one are we throwing out now? Yeah. So uh, this is from uh, this is from an episode that was written by uh, Neil Gaiman, personal friend, favorite writer of, writer of mine, personal friend apparently, even though I've never met him. Right. Um, because we have the same name and roughly the same hair. Um, <laughs> That's true, but not the same wife. <laughs> no, I am not married to Amanda fucking. Um, All right, so, so it's one I know. It's one I think it is. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is the twelve. This is Matt Smith's doctor. Eleventh doctor. Eleventh. Yeah, Matt Smith's eleventh doctor. Just being a badass in six words. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for the lift. We are in your universe now, Doctor. Why should it matter to me in which room you die? I can kill you just as easily here as anywhere. Fear me. I've killed hundreds of time lords. Fear me. I've killed all of them. <laughs> so I was just like, I've killed hundreds of time lords. I killed all of them. It's just like Fear me. I've killed all of them. Yeah. And it was and it's and it's 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 so deadpan because you know the, the, the bad guy's like, Fear me, I've killed hundreds of time lords. Fear me. I've killed all of them, mm. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, you know, just being a total badass in like six words because A, he one-ups and do, t- and B, he does it so casually. Yeah. It's just like, fuck you. So I've for all those that don't know shit about shit when it comes to Doctor Who, 
um is this like because of this whole weird regeneration thing is it like oh he's the current one therefore he has like absorbed all the um, previous no. okay. time Lord so so, so here's the deal um time lords don't absorb anyone through regeneration they just reincarnate however at this point in uh at this point in the series um with this the series something happened between the old series and the hiatus and the new series uh started by russell t davies and that is something called the time war and um essentially the doctor um, our protagonist ended the time war by killing all participants. Basically killed off the Daleks. He and killed the, the Daleks, time the Time Lords, and the Cybermen. And he is the last of the Time Lords. That's how we see, that's how he's introduced, uh, how's Chris, Chris Eccleston. It doesn't sound terribly heroic. Well, but, he did it to save the rest of space and time. Yeah, it's, there's, and it, as it turns out, it was actually terribly heroic, but in a different, but yeah. it's, it, it didn't do it the way he thought he did. Things turn out to be different than, than he thought, but at this point, he's confident that that was what he did, and he did it because it was the lesser of uh, of the evils. Five evils. Yes. <laughs> it was the lesser of five evils. I see. Okay. I was, um, yeah, yeah, I wasn't quite sure what that was. Um, so, yeah, it's kind and, of funny because in a different way, that kind of... Um, that kind of alludes to one of the clips that I will be sharing. Yeah. And so. it, uh, and it builds up. And, and the reason that this is like, this is also really helping to us to is especially to, um, establish, uh, sort of the arc that Matt Smith's doctor is going through because even more so than Eccleston or Tennant, um, he, uh, Matt Smith plays the person who is trying very hard to essentially um, be happy past his PTSD, and he got some good, good dialogue. He got some great dialogue. There's a, there's another couple things he um, that I think all of our other Doctor Who cl clips are also Smith. from yeah. uh, Matt Smith. Yeah. Not that I don't. Well, technically, one isn't from Matt Smith, but it's from his uh, his era. <laughs> um, not right. like Tennant is still my favorite doctor of, of the new who, although I also nobody really can, liked Capaldi. Nobody can babble like Tennant. Yeah. And he did a whole thing where he babbled. He was completely in character as the doctor, but he was just filling space and it was supposed to. Yeah. He's, 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 Tennant is, is my favorite doctor from, from writing and characterization. He also gets his very kind of dark broody moments. Uh, but, but Smith got a lot more, a, a lot better one-liners. Mm -hmm. so. Got a lot better speeches too. Anyways, yeah. so yeah, that's that. That was my one of my things. Like I said, that's the that's the eleventh Doctor going. Fuck you! I'm a bigger badass than we ever played. Yes. You you really think? Yeah, I've killed hundreds. <laughs> I've killed thousands. Yeah. Shut up. What, you, yeah. you 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 really like? And and uh, one of the YouTube comments. Uh, what one of the YouTube comments really sums it up pretty well. Um, House used taunt. It's not very effective. The doctor used "fuck you" critical hit. It's super effective. <laughs> right. All right. So let's let's uh, let's pull up let's one of Mike's now. Go, let's, yeah, let's, let's go over to one of Mike's. Uh, You're up, Mike. Well, since I alluded to it, I might as well kick things off with the the clip from Serenity. Oh, Serenity! I didn't think that was the one you were going to go with, but okay. Well, it reminded me of that when you're talking about killing a bunch of people for a greater good. 
yes, uh, that's yes, that, that's that fair. Does make sense. That makes that, perfect that's, sense. That's that's not where I thought you were going with that, but this it makes sense too. So this one is actually one of our longer clips, but oh well. I'm sorry. If your quarry goes to ground, leave no ground to go to. You should have taken my offer, or did you think none of this was your fault? I don't murder children. I do if I have. Why? I think that's. Uh, was there more that you wanted? How far did you want me to go with this? Um, well, I mean, it's it's kind of the reverse, actually. Like mm -hmm. that that first ten seconds wasn't really terribly important. Yeah, sorry. Okay, we'll keep going then. Do you even know why they send you? It's not my place to ask. I believe in something greater than myself. A better world. A world without sin. So me and mine gotta lay down and die so you can live in your better world? I'm not going to live there. There's no place for me there. Any more than there is for you, Malcolm. Oh, yeah. I'm a monster. What I do is evil. I have no illusions about it, but it must be done. Keep talking. You're not getting a location trace off this one. And every minute River Tam from me, more people will die. Die. Okay, yeah. yeah. You, you wanted you, you wanted the, the end of that. I'm a monster. <laughs> that was the, the entire thing except the first, the, the whole, like, ooh, quarry went to ground. That's not terribly important. That's just yeah. the initial yeah. context. So, basically... Um, this is from you know, Serenity, by the way. There is, a, there is, like, a colony, a place that was blown up by some i don't remember the specific some sort of airstrike by the alliance or something and then the operative popped up and they had that exchange so basically first i just i think the delivery and the the back and forth between the characters is really interesting and well done it's good writing as always and but it, it also just has like a really interesting insight into the character and i think the character is so great because some of the most interesting uh villains and antagonists and whatnot are the ones that are Conv utterly convinced that what they're doing is the right thing mm -hmm. and even more so this is a, a layer on top of that where it's they're not just utterly convinced that what they're doing is the right thing they're perfectly aware that what they're doing is horrific and evil and wrong in an objective sense but they feel that it is you know necessary or inevitable or whatever like the whole ends justify the means thing yeah. so in a way the kind of overall um the, the overall like direction that the story takes in it in a way i, I, I kind of i, I kind of don't like the whole thing where it's like oh hey look uh turns out the alliance was doing this secret creepy experiment thing oh, okay well it's very it's very obvious they're the bad guys good and bad black and white and it kind of like erases the whole in my humble opinion the whole moral ambiguity of the verse and everything with how things are with the big, you know, war between the Alliance, and the independence, yada, yada, yada. Um, because now you just point your finger and go, Oh, okay. They did this thing. They created the Reavers and therefore they're the bad guys. You know, that's by, it. By the same token, Roll it up it and does, go home. By the same token though, it does really, um, it does still lend itself to the moral ambiguity because in the Alliance's point of view, they were just making people happy. You know, they were just basically making people happy with whatever they, they were making them passive. Because the whole thing with that, with the packs, was that very, very, very suggestible. They just did what they were told, and it was just to make it a nice. And the thing is, is for a lot of people, that as long as they're, as long as the, you know, it's that whole, it's that whole idea of, of a uh, a moral code that is good as long as it fits your view. You know, so well, it's a common theme. Like you see that in, like, say, Equilibrium, where the whole. Mm -hmm. The whole premise is everyone is taking these drugs that make them have like no real emotion and it's like okay well now there's not all this war and suffering and all these terrible things and all the ills have interacted but there's also no real life or exactly. like and cool. it, like life is meaningless so it's like on paper it sounds great but in practice it's horrific well it's um, it's, a, it's fucking you know. with free will and i mean that was the theme of murder on Eridanos. but uh 
Yeah, uh, yes, it was Murder on Eridanus, the the Outer Worlds uh, thing. Yeah, was, you know, the, the whole thing was, you know, him making people happy. It wasn't there wasn't any emotion. They were happy. They were really happy, but they were, you know, they're happy to work. <laughs> well, it should be, it should be pointed out that they also had a heavy sprinkling of, hey, we can market this because uh, because Outer Worlds is very, um, it's very uh, anti-corpo, let's, let's face it. Um, yeah. But still, the moral ambiguity is there in that people think that they're right, they're the right thing. They think will make people happy. Well, I just so, mean mainly in the presentation of the story, though. Yeah. Not like we're in the universe, you know. Right. Like, yeah. we're just people consuming it on the outside. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, that kind of makes it less inherently less interesting. Like, right. I get it in the context of if you're just watching a movie, especially if you haven't seen Firefly, like... It's contained, it makes sense, it's cohesive, but I, I feel like, you know, it's more interesting when it's not all cut and dry like that, you know, when it's the Firefly presentation instead of the Serenity presentation. That's fair. Yeah, that was Joss Whedon trying to fit a whole season into... into uh, Which, by the way, is a fucking Herculean feat, so, I mean, props for him pulling it off, even though it did bomb at the box office. Um, right. The fact that the movie existed in the first place is a miracle in and of itself, but um, right. anyway, there's my two cents. Okay. Oh, by the way, there's like a bunch of different amazing exchanges in that movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. Another one it. that springs to mind was, so what are we thinking? Trap? Well, to answer me this. Did you see us fight at all during that conversation? No. Trap. <laughs> I just like the the uh, the his first like meeting with the operative, which is another like this is another thing where it tells you a lot about the characters, and it was very reminiscent of like Harrison Ford playing Indiana Jones, where the operative shows up and he's like, "I am," he's like, "I'm alone, I'm unarmed," and he's like, "Good," and he just shoots him in the fucking chest, <laughs> and then he gets I, out and he's like, "But I'm not without uh, you know high grade body armor, I'm not an idiot or something like that." You know? We're gonna play two clips back to back because they're very short um one was from ben one was from me both from the same um i reference all all the bloody time um uh, but first we should set up uh, uh the character who gets to say it uh this is from the count of monte cristo which was highly underrated in my opinion despite the fact that it honest that it actually got a lot of here we are we watch you we welcome him back to the crew if you win i have given Jacopo the chance to Win and I don't want. Then we slit your throat and we rip it short-handed. <laughs> smuggling is a <laughs> Release Jack. Um, that that is Luigi Vampa. Smuggler the, and thief. Uh, and he will tell you about that. Smuggler and thief, which is how he introduces <laughs> himself uh, a little bit Smash. earlier in the scene. I am Luigi Vampa, a, sm a smuggler and a thief. <laughs> By the way, not only is the dialogue amazing, uh, but when it's delivered in that accent, it makes it so much better. Yeah. And 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 then a little bit later in the movie, he gets possibly my favorite line in all of movie or exchange in all. Who are you and why are you doing this? We are bad men and for the money. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Why are you doing this? Bad men and for the money. That's just, uh, it's like... Two questions, two answers. Boom, boom. I love <laughs> right. it. It's just such a work of art. Right. This movie had such incredibly clever writing. Um, it's one of the reasons I liked it so much. Um, uh, like both of these scenes establish, uh, both of these scenes help to establish one, just how excellent the writing is. And two, how like it, they perfectly encapsulate Luigi Vampa's, uh, character. He is, I, he is Luigi Vampa, a smuggler and a thief. Um, and he has zero shame about that. Like, that's just what he is. Right. He's very upfront. He's very, yep, that's me. Hi. Yeah, and he does not come off as a mustache trolling villain. 
No. He comes off more He's like, just a businessman. He comes off like Gomez fucking Adam, just with like. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of Gomez esque, isn't it? <laughs> you know. He's just a businessman. This is yeah. this is what he does. Right. By the way, He's a, I think that's a good, uh, a often a good mark of quality writing is how few lines can you have the character deliver and give the essence of the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has he he has like I think a total of like twelve lines in the entire movie. Right. But you know exactly who he is because of the way he's written, and admittedly the the swagger that he uh, that he, uh, exhibits um, on on screen as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the actors get credit where credit yes. is due, and the people just making the casting decisions. So the but, other thing yeah. I like about the other thing I like about the first exchange between him and um, um, the Count of Monte Cristo, Monte Cristo um, is Cristo. the delivery of of the other side of that, uh, which is just very bland. I find smuggling is a life for me, and I'd gladly be delighted to kill your friend the maggot. <laughs> and then the whole, he's the best knife fighter I've ever seen. Perhaps you should get out. <laughs> it just, it just yeah. gives, it gives that hint of slightly psychopath, you know? It's like, yeah, because because you have to keep in mind, our our boy, um, uh, shit, what's his name? I completely blanked on the main character's name, Edmund Dantes. Um, you have to keep a few things in mind. He has been tortured within an, instant, within an inch of his life for the last like eight or nine years uh, in a in a horrendous prison. Um, just saw his best friend, his only friend really in the world at this point, die. Um, and he has just escaped from said horrendous prison by swimming a few miles through the ocean and is very likely malnourished, exhausted, and, well, delirious because he wakes up on a beach. Meanwhile, during that eight years, said friend has been training him yes. in the art of knife fighting and sword fighting. Sword fighting and multiple languages and to read and write because he didn't know how to do either of those. Um, so he yeah. is a badass, yes. at least on paper. But this is also his the first, like, you got a training montage where you saw him get decently good at stuff. But, um... This is also the first time you see him go up against anyone who isn't being his teacher and mentor. Um, and this is when you see, well, yeah, I guess the, the eight or so years he spent in prison. Um, Changed a man. He, he, he took more than one level in badass while he was there. Right. Um, and he just does a fantastic job. And it's... Like if you haven't checked out the Count of Monte Cristo, uh, which was came, which came out in two thousand two, it, it's it's very good. It's available um, to rent on Amazon, and I think you can watch it on YouTube if you don't mind commercials. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Um, it's also apparently on Vudu, um, and I feel like that if I feel like if you had a VPN, you might be able to find it on Netflix in some country or in, like people would know how to do their internet searches. We don't got to lay it all out. Right. Like okay. in Canada. Um, all right, Can- so we'll Canadian Netflix has... Oh, um, sorry. Completely a- a- off topic, but I do want to just bring this up briefly because I found it out and it's really interesting. Playing around with my VPN a while, a while see, you know, get, go, going past region block, blocking and stuff because that's one of the things you use a VPN for. Apparently, the state of Utah has its own Netflix library. Hmm. I know this because um, the th- the two Jet Li movies that you can watch on Netflix right now, which is Cradle, Cradle to the Grave, and um, I can't remember what the other one is. It's some. It's one of his Wuxia pieces that he made in Hong Kong. Um, are not available if I set my 
uh, my VPN to Salt Lake City. Hmm. Random, inter- interesting little piece of uh, information. All right. So what next, what piece do you want to drop out next? Um, well, that was one for me and one from uh, from me from Ben. So another one from Mike. Say what you want, Mike. Alrighty. Um, let's do the Roadhouse clips. They're short. Roadhouse. Okay. Roadhouse. 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 There's an interesting, um, I'm playing a game. I play a game on my phone called small town murders. And, uh, one of the, one of the cases takes place at a place called the Swayze Roadhouse. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm just like, really? Come on. Which is the double boot. I'll give you a local. No, thank you. Do you enjoy pain? Pain don't hurt. That's one. Um, so if it may be hard to hear at the beginning there without the context, but she says, I'll, I'll give you a local. A here. Like, uh, Do you enjoy pain? Two bullet wounds, nine puncture wounds, and four stainless steel screws. That's an estimate, of course. I'll give you a local. No, thank you. Do you enjoy pain? Pain don't hurt. So, yeah. I was just going to say, he's talking about a, um, she's talking about a local anesthetic. I was just providing the context for that. It would sound like mumble, sounds like mumbling without knowing the broader yeah, scene so, there. Yeah, because she, she's about to staple a wound close on, Capt, uh, on Captain Swayze. Yeah, because he got stabbed during a uh, scuffle with the old double deuce. Thank you. <laughs> Do you ever win a fight? Nobody's a fight. So not only are the, is it just good banter and um, good writing, but <clears throat> what's and this is kind of the whole point of that scene, which is about three minutes or so. If you watch the whole scene where he's mm-hmm. there, you know, getting stapled up and all that. And, uh, you know, then, of course, meets the female doctor who becomes love interest and all that good stuff. But point is, um, he is, um, despite just being a bouncer, like he's actually kind of an interesting dude. And like, you know, he doesn't. He's not like a bully or anything. He doesn't relish hurting people or anything. There's even a, another, this is another good thing uh, worth watching is his speech about being nice. When he talks about how to, he's like teaching the uh, the crew that he's bringing in. Because basically he's not just a bouncer. He's like running the show. They're like crewing up, they're banding up because this place is notorious where people are, you know, it's getting crazy and people are, you know, like the doctor said, winding up the ER and stuff. Basically trying to, you know, uh, crack down and make sure this place is actually, um all maybe not respectable, but not a place where people are getting, you know, hospitalized on a regular basis. So he's crewing up and telling everybody how to do the job, how to, you know, do how to bounce properly and all that. And he's stressing about first be nice. And his whole thing is about, you know, preventing stuff from happening in the first place and de-escalating all that. And then at the very end of all that, then he gets into the okay, here's how you kick somebody's ass part, you know? <laughs> and it's it kind of shows off it those two exchanges kind of um hint at like a deeper you know, like aspect to the guy's character, even though it's just, it's, it's a total cheese ball movie, but it's a really fun one. Mm-hmm. And there's actually some deeper stuff going on there. And so like, you know, the first exchange it's, it's, uh, although grammatically incorrect, a rather profound statement, <laughs> pain don't hurt pain. Don't cause yeah, you can, you know, pain is fleeting, but the other stuff, uh, what you do, people, what your meaning is, all that stuff. That's what really matters. And what hurts isn't just, you know, getting a punch in the face or whatever you know there's a lot more scary things than getting beaten up or whatever and then that that second line where he says nobody ever wins a fight i thought that was kind of a cool line too yeah it's 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 it 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 does speak more to his character of you know violence is violence even even if it becomes necessary is not 
it's not something to relish or a dinner like yeah. a, you know like bu- build your identity around basically right. and so you'll see that throughout the movie where it's like you know uh so everybody always wants to be like oh man you're that guy you're that total badass oh whatever you know like oh dalton uh he's and he gets uncomfortable with that because like he tries to you know he tries to have his identity be like a decent guy a guy that's a humor a guy who's does right by his friends all these other things but everyone's just like oh you're the guy that beats the shit over everyone woo you know <laughs> right anyway that's that's about it I, I don't need to spend a lot of time on it but mm-hmm. i thought those were interesting and you know lesser uh not 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 as obvious things as some of the more marquee movies that we have on the list yeah um i've actually never seen roadhouse i really should i never have either it's a great touchstone of pop culture i recommend it plus i just love patrick swayze and guys off awesome. it's crow t robot's favorite movie <laughs> oh yeah there you go as evidenced in uh, when he writes a Patrick Swayze Christmas Carol in Santa Claus Conquers the Martian. Well, hey, if that endorsement is enough, I don't know what to tell you. Right. Oh, speaking of MST3K, I think the guy who played, um, oh, the the, MST, the many names of David Ryder. Yeah, uh, Rep Brown. Rep Brown. He's going to be a, a guest at a convention in Wichita this uh, this summer. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, he's a he, he's a he's a big chunk of American cheese. Boy, is. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not sure how he feels about having been sent up by by that. I don't like. It's one of those things where sometimes some people are. He, he's also played. He also played Captain America um, in in the in, in the, the 70s one. Captain America. Oh, God. <laughs> um, wow. So I, it's it's hard to say exactly uh, how he feels about that. Because um, like to to briefly like Joe Don Baker absolutely hated how the the treatment that that two of his movies got in. Uh, yeah, at, at at the hands of the Misty. Um, <laughs> well, if you don't like it, don't make a movie. <laughs> don't make yeah, a bad he, movie. He he felt very insulted by by the treatment that Mitchell and Final Justice got. Um, which, by the way, are two of the more standout episodes of MST3K too. <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you made a thing that ultimately led to a lot of enjoyment for a very long period yes. of time. You got to keep some perspective. A lot, a lot of people take it in good, take it in good uh, in good stride, but uh, I don't know. Um, let's, uh, let's alienate Mike. Let's see here. Again, you mentioned a mistake. That's me. Oh, big, That's big one of mistake. Mine. Really huge. Didn't anyone ever tell you there's That's one, one thing of you mine. never put in a trap if you're smart, if you value your continued existence, if you have any plans about seeing tomorrow, there's one thing you never, ever put in a trap. And what would that be, sir? Me. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that is the eleventh Doctor again with a great, you know, with a great uh, setup. What is one thing you never put in a trap? My ass. And this is this is one of this is one of the Weeping Angels, which uh, episodes which started with Tenet, Blink, the single best one of the single best Doctor Light episodes ever. Yeah, uh, like if honestly, I would say if you really want of an example of of. Honestly, I'd say Blink is one of the better episodes that you could actually introduce people yeah, it is. Uh, to Doctor. And and the thing is, is, the Doctor only is only in it a very a very small amount. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, yeah, this, the Weeping Angels are one of the scariest villains in Doctor Who. Until uh, they the, get ruined, but that's beside the point, right? Um, but yeah, it, the the single scariest villain uh, of the of the Tenet era, in my opinion, because basically, as long as you're, they are they are the observer par- uh, the observer paradox in, in, in motion. If you can see them, they can't move; they're frozen in place. But when you look away, they can, they're super fast, um, and so um, and they look like angels. 
which you know, makes uh, and so we we fast forward to the Smith era, and the Angels are trying to uh, um, are trying to take over something and, and basically feed because what they do is they transport you back to a place in time. Back in time and let you live to death. Yeah, just let you live to death. Meanwhile, they feed on all the potential energy of of your absence from that timeline. And in this one, they basically, one, they pissed off the doctor, which is never, one of my other favorite uh, lines from the doctor is, you just killed someone I like. That is not a safe place to stand. Um, and they pissed off the doctor. They wanted to make him angry, and they succeeded. And he's just, you know, they, they have him in trap. Um, and he's basically got people around him. And, and there's a lead up to this that I love because he's asking everyone around him, you trust me. Yep. <laughs> you know, and then he does something very undoctor like he asks someone for a gun. Yes. The doctor very like the doctor doesn't, doesn't like, like guns uh, for the most part. He uses them occasionally, but only ever as a tool to accomplish something else. Yeah. Um, such as this. And, yeah. And yeah. he basically. Um, uses it to destroy the trap and turn it to vanish. Well, no, he destroys a light that also happens to be uh, gravity. <laughs> yeah, doing some, some doing something to do with gravity. So he inverts gravity and they fall onto a they onto jump the and fall onto the ceiling. Yeah. Um, so has, for again, for people who want to know more about the Weeping Angels, um, I will mention a thing that uh, that I brought up in the in the signal boosts. Um, they are also very much very similar to SCP-173 for anyone who gets that reference. Um, in that, they only move when they are not being observed. When they are being observed, they are stationary and look like statues. So they, but but apparently they can make lights flicker. So Boo from Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Except they move much more rapidly too. Okay. That's, so, why, that's why the first episode that, that they were that they were featured in was called Blink. Don't even blink. Yeah, don't blink. Don't even blink. Uh, the, the things. Um, all right. Um, here's just a brief one that that doesn't really require much, but also always gets a laugh out of me, and is another example of the form. A second, bit better. Not a great. <laughs> Which has got to be Robert Downey Jr. just. Riffing. He had to have improvised that line. <laughs> I don't like. It's very possible. Um, I'm not sure I mean, if that was. It's fifty-fifty because we're talking about like Whedon verse writing and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, because yeah. this was written by by Whedon. Too. Well, Whedon. Well, he wasn't the only writer, obviously, because no, because large movies very rarely have solo writers. But uh, right. But it was it was his general direction and vibe. Yeah. Right. And Whedon is that. a good one. Is a good one for letting you know letting. Uh, Take you know, take the wheel when they. I have to. an army. We have a whole. Yeah. Hulk. yeah. Of course, that's preceded by him slamming Loki around and being like, "Puny God." Yeah. Puny God. That, that it was the other one that we could have done, which was enough of this. I will not be traded like this. I am a uh, god. Smash, 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 smash. That is a much god. better in a visual medium, though. So. Yeah. yeah. You're well, really that, gonna that and the. <laughs> yeah, it just comes out like a squeak. I'll yeah. take that drink now if it's all the same to you. So, all right. So, uh, uh, this one for Mike. Yeah. Do uh, you want Fight Club or do you want Clerks, Mike? Uh, let's go with Fight Club. Okay. I hope I have these queued right. I went to the time code, the timestamps you said, but uh, I didn't feel like they were particular. Whatever. Um, I'm sure you have a better idea of why of why we're putting these here than I do. So, here we go. Uh. I don't know, it's just when you buy furniture by yourself, that's it, that's that sofa I'm gonna need. Whatever else happens, got that sofa handled. 
at all. I had there a wardrobe that was getting very respectable. Being complete. Shit, man, now it's all gone. All gone. <sighs> all gone. What a duvet is. Comfort blanket. Just a blanket. Why do guys like you and I know what a duvet is? This essential to our survival? The hunter-gatherer sense of the word? No. What are we? Consumer. Right, consumer. We are byproducts of a lifestyle obsessed. Murder, crime, poverty. These things don't concern. Concerns me. Celebrity television. 500 channels. Some guys name them. Rogaine, Viagra, Olestra. Martha Stewart. Fuck Martha Stewart. Martha's polishing the brass on the Titanic. It's all going down, man. Fuck off with your sofa units and string green stripe pattern. I never be. I say stop being perfect. I say let, let's evolve. Chips fall with him. That's, you could be wrong. Maybe it's a terrible trap. Uh, it's just stuff. Well, you did lose a lot of versatile solutions for modern living. Fuck, you're right. That's the first one that you gave me. And then this would be the second time. Things you own end up owning you. But do what that, you like. I, I think that, you know, is yeah. the encapsulation of everything. Yes. Yeah, it's the same. It just cut out a little fat there in the scene uh, in between, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. just a little later. But yeah, the ambient sound is like, it's a pool hall. It's people shooting pool and stuff and glasses clinking mm -hmm. if people are curious. But yeah, I just thought that was a really cool exchange. And uh, it's very, you know, indicative of uh, the characters, plural, wink, wink. And, um, you know, just the whole vibe of the movie. And just an interesting thing. Is that a spoiler in anymore? Is that a, I is mean, that a qualified spoiler of the week at this point? It's been 21 years. So, yeah, I, I'm not too worried. <laughs> But yeah, it, it that does kind of encapsulate a lot of the like the philosophy behind why Tyler Durden does what he does too. Now there's an irony in there too because um, the whole like you know um, shtick that Tyler professes is all about like freeing yourself and being outside the system and stuff. But then everyone just like fucking um, complies and like goes along with whatever he says they're literally shaving their heads and shouting slogans and stuff like the irony is lost on them <laughs> so it's like there's there's such a thing as too much um going again you know like rebelling or whatever it's like they're just conforming to whatever's whatever tyler's conformity is they're re it's like they're rebelling by, by they're, yeah time. exactly it's like you know when everything when everything is rebelling, just going along with certain norms becomes rebelling. Why do all so, conformists wear yeah. black? <laughs> <laughs> to prove how unique they are. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But yeah, it's uh, you know, I mean, if you take out the the weird toxicity that goes along with it, it's it's a good message. You know, don't get caught up in your crap and mm -hmm. you know, see. It's like the whole classic minimalist Zen kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Don't go around blowing things up and stuff. But you know, don't right. worry about matching, getting the perfect duvet or matching all this furniture or whatever. Like, don't yeah. define yourself by your crap, like by Jack was doing. Right. Okay. Let's see. Got. So we've actually run out of the ones that I that, that I thought of. So we're gonna okay. go back, I think, to uh, to uh, to Ben Thirteenth Warrior. Oh, okay. Now I gotta set this up. Yeah. If you've never seen the Thirteenth Warrior, this is before the final scene. We've seen Antonio Banderas's character, uh, whom the the uh, who is a you know a, a Muslim uh, from you know from Arabia, um, go from being this poet and gentleman and you know diplomat to being a warrior you know and there's a point there's a and this is this movie is filled with pithy lines just you know uh it's like i'm not a warrior in a little bit in a, in a few minutes you will be uh you know it just uh he was like i can't lift this grow stronger it's just this whole fatalism 
of the of the Vikings around him that he started to learn to adopt. And it's encapsulated with this, they're facing off against this horde of this army of, of barbaric beings. And they, 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 they're, they've lost their leader. It's just this handful of them and a bunch of people, farmers and, you know, and, and, and you know, blacksmiths and just villagers, you know, zero, level zero commoners. And they're waiting for this one last battle. And then uh, this, is how, this is how he starts. He's taking his shoes off. He's bowed to Mecca for the first time in this movie. And, you know, he's making, he basically is doing, doing a prayer. And then this is the prayer. Merciful Father, I have squandered my days with plans of many things. This was not among them. But at this moment, I beg only to live the next few minutes well. So, you know, it's just that whole thing of, he's get to the point, it's like, I'm probably going to die and, you know, and be before God, and I want to live the last few minutes of my life. Um, and, and then there's the, the scene after this where they do this Viking prayer, and he takes part in it. In it. And it's just, it starts off with one and builds into all, including even, uh, which is what they call it. Uh, so, Mike, you have another, another movie I really want to see. Uh, 13th Warrior? Yeah. You got to get on that, man. That's a classic. Yeah, it is. It really is. Which is I think I think it came out around the same time Fight Club. 1999. Yeah. And yep, basically, 13th Warrior is a retelling of Beowulf um, with of. Vikings. Yeah, it's... it's um, Technically, it's it's an adaptation of Michael Crichton's Eaters of the Dead, which, which was is based a retelling. on Beowulf. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, a couple I'm, steps removed. Right. Two degrees of, you know, of bacon. <laughs> A Viking bacon. She's actually about my bacon too, technically, but only because I've met a few people who have worked directly with with uh, with Kevin Bacon. So, all right. So, what do we got next? Uh, scene from Clerk, which I thought was what you were trying to set up earlier, Ben or Mike. So yeah, Clerks. Um, this is the this is the exchange where they um, talk about the second Death Star and Return of the Jedi and moral implications of independent contractors. And you figured it out. The first Death Star was manned by the Imperial Army. The only people on board were stormtroopers, dignitaries, Imperials. Basically. So when they blew it up, no problem. Evil's punished. And the second time around? The second time around, it wasn't even done being built yet. It was still under construction. So? So a construction job of that magnitude would require a hell of a lot more manpower than the Imperial Army had to offer. I'll bet they brought independent contractors in on that thing. Plumbers, aluminum siders, roofers. And not just Imperials. Is that what you're getting at? Exactly. In order to get it built quickly and quietly, they'd hire anybody that can do the job. I think the average stormtrooper knows the toilet main. All they know is killing in white uniforms. All right, so they bring in independent contractors. Why are you so upset at its destruction? All those innocent contractors brought in to do the job were killed. Casualties of a war they had nothing to do with. All right, look. You're a roofer. Some juicy government contract comes your way. You got a wife and kids, the two-story in suburbia. This is a government contract, which means all sorts of benefits. Along come these left-wing militants and blast everything within a three-mile radius with their lasers. You didn't ask for that. You have no personal politics. You're just trying to scrape out a living. Excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt, but uh, what are you talking about? The ending of Return of the Jedi. My friend here is trying to convince me that any independent contractors who were working on the uncompleted Death Star were innocent victims when they were destroyed by the rebels. Well, I'm a contractor myself. I'm a roofer, done and ready home improvements. And speaking as a roofer, I can tell you roofer's personal politics comes into play heavily when choosing jobs, like when. Three weeks ago, I was offered a job up in the hills, beautiful house, tons of property, a simple reshingling job. 
They told me if I could finish it in one day, I would double my price. Then I realized whose house it was. Whose house was it? Dominic Bambino's. Babyface Bambino? The gangster? The same. The money was right, but the risk was too high. I knew who he was, and based on that, I turned the job over to a friend of mine. Based on... <laughs> I think I went a little longer than, than you intended, but I did. But I felt like that no, was I a... Think that, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Did it, was that what yeah. you were... How, where you wanted, wanted to go, Mike? I mean, I, I cut out the stuff with the with the guy. Like yeah. that's when it stopped. But I mean, it's all good. Like, yeah, you know, well, it was yeah, very well written too. Kevin Smith wrote a wrote a very intelligent uh, movie because all because he couldn't shoot anything other than people standing around talking. Um, right. Yeah. Necessity being the mother of invention and all that. But yeah, I mean, Randall works at a video store back when video stores were a thing. So yep. it makes sense that he would just be, you know sitting there watching a movie for the millionth time mm -hmm. and so bored that he thinks about things like that. And humorously enough, it uh, it does kind of get brought up again in The Mandalorian. I lost, <laughs> yeah, I lost friends on that. So here's, here's the thing that, that makes me go to this. Everybody knows the first de the first Death Star destroyed Alderaan. Well, that's the thing, though. In Mandalorian, they're talking about the first Death Star, not the second one. Oh, yeah. Right, right. But, but, you know, when, you get to the, but when you get to the second Death Star, because they, they did mention that, first one or second one. Right. Uh, I always think you're funny. Um, but everybody knows you know, that the first Death Star destroyed Alderaan. Now, you get brought in to work on a bigger, badder Death Star. How do you not make that moral decision without making that moral decision? Yeah, I, I do. I do agree that I think Randall's premise is flawed. Yeah, they knew what the first Death Star was using. Well, sure. Of course, you know, the um, what people <clears throat> what actually happened and what the Imperial propaganda convinced a large swath of the galaxy happened are two very different things. Yeah, I'm sure they had some, you know. They had some sort of, you know, spin as far as the whole. Right. We're not just blowing it up to like, you know, flex and terrorize and, originally uh, blame and it stick it to. Well, yeah, stick it to um, uh, Leia and all that. Yeah. yeah. Test the weapon and all that. Okay. So, yeah. We have two more scenes. Um, one final scene. I have a man. Ah. I okay. Whoops. So one final scene to. Uh, that really actually kind of requires video, but we'll explain it uh, to to alienate uh, uh, Mike. So so it's kind of funny that you're using alienate in in in, uh, in conjunction with Doctor Who. Yes. <laughs> so, but yeah. I have a message and a question. A message from the Doctor and a question from me. Where is my wife? Oh, don't give me those blank looks. The 12th Cyber Legion monitors this entire quadrant. You hear everything. So you tell me what I need to know. You tell me now, and I'll be on my way. What is the Doctor's message? Shit explodes. Would you like me to repeat the question? <laughs> the so message is this. just is a massive exploding. battle fleet exploding behind uh rory who got got to be so badass and then got done dirty like four episodes later and i was very unhappy sorry i'm still bitter about the angels take manhattan yeah it was not a good episode yeah so yeah this one is is a classic doctor writing thing of um 
you know, it's the unexpected that, that comes to it because, you know, it's like, what is the message? And shit behind him explodes. And he just looks at it like, that's the message. Should yes. I repeat the question? <laughs> the message is kaboom. <laughs> yeah, kaboom. There was an earth shattering kaboom. <laughs> Marvin, you're not supposed to be a part of this. <laughs> and it it does uh, very much also build up. Uh, one, one, of the, one of the reasons I do, in fact, really love that scene is because it... It further establishes how very badass Rory Williams has become. Yeah. Um, because he was originally kind of a simpering, terrified individual. Nurse. A nurse. Um, then he managed, then he kind of lived a double life as a Roman centurion for about a thousand years and still has those memories floating around in his head. Um, and he walks through a large contingent of the Cyber Legion. In centurion armor with a sword, and hence the hence the humor in that. Don't give me the looks because Cybermen have no expressions. Yes, they have their expression. Um, but he is like he is on par, terrifying with the Doctor at this point in his uh, in his arc. And the fact that the two of them are working together is so impressively bad news. And it's and this is also really what establishes his bona fides as super super badass um it in 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 the walk wind up too i i i have a mess a question and a message um amy is talking to her newborn daughter talking about do doing a bunch of you know your there, there's someone really badass coming for you oh by the way he's your dad and they and it's written as a fake out to make it sound like it's like uh Rory like like uh, Amy like uh Melody is actually the doctor's daughter but no he's the last centurion he's Rory William and then he walks on stage yeah <laughs> um but that's a monologue and it's a completely different sort of thing uh so Huh, I'm not exactly sure where you want this uh this last bit here Ben from v. Which was from v. Oh, okay, okay. So there's two bits for this. Uh, one at the beginning is uh, v, react, uh, v for it's uh, from uh, V for Vendetta. V reacting to a threat by Mr. Creepy. Okay. Um, because this is actually two clips. Okay, give me. An, I am. Um, let's all be quiet for just a second here. I'm gonna cut this bit out. I'm gonna need to cut this a little bit. So what I'm gonna do here is. Um, Okay, that should be a big enough gap in the waveform that I can... I'm going to play the whole thing, okay. and then you can tell me where to stop, and then, like, so that... Because I, we're not going to play the whole clip on, on the, the show. On the, yeah. on the show. Okay. Uh, but I'm not sure exactly where we want to be. Right. So we'll figure out the two spots, and then we will resume, and I will okay. cut this part out. It's time to have a look at your fate. Take off your mask. People die. Defiant to the end. You won't cry like you're not afraid of death. You're like me. The only thing that you and I have in common with Creedies, we're both about. Was that it? No, no. Keep going. Okay. How do you imagine that's going? Handballer. Coming up on it. I'm sorry, what? Coming up on the start point for it. Okay. We've swept it. You've got nothing. Nothing but your bloody knife, fancy carafe. We have guns. No, what do you have a bullet? The hope that when your guns are empty, I'm no longer standing. Because if I am, it will be dead before you've reloaded. Okay. Possible. Okay, so that's the first part. 
Okay. <laughs> we have guns. No way. You have no bullets. Because if I am fancy karate baller, what you gonna do? Okay. There's the first one queued. Now I open a separate window. It's gonna be closer to the end. I mean, yeah. It's after. He... There. There. Yeah. I want you to die. Die. Why won't you die? Beneath mass more than f beneath mass is an idea, Mr. Crete. And ideas are bulletproof. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Ah! What the hell? So to set these two pieces up, this is well, the Well, no, final... no, no, no. Hold, hold up. Okay. Before, before you say... Because I'll let you set these up on... I gotta... Okay, there's the clip. There's the cut. So now we will pause again uh, to so that I can once again get a better um, a better spot, and then you'll set it up on, on during the show. So let me know when I'm ready. Okay. So to set this up, this is near the end of V for Vendetta, and this is where we finally start to see you know what's going on, what what the whole plan is all about. And Creedy and you know and V are face finally facing off again. Creedy is, by the way, one of our primary antagonists, whether we realize that. And. This first part is Creedy making a threat and V offering him a little bit of perspective. And here we go. We've swept it. You've got nothing. Nothing but your bloody knife and see karate. We have guns. No, what do you have a bullet? The hope that when your guns are empty, I'm no longer standing. Because if I am, it will be dead before you've reloaded. Yeah. So, and this is this is a threat he makes good on, with nothing but his knives and his fancy karate tricks. Yes. Uh, um, so after that, it's it's he and the and I think the defining line this entire movie. Die! Die! Why won't you die? Why won't you die? Beneath mass is more than flesh. Beneath this mask is an idea, Mister Crete, and. Ideas are bulletproof. That's it, yeah. And and this is where V also makes good on, on a threat made earlier. It's like, you, we're about, both about to die. How do you imagine that happening? With my hands, With my hands around your neck. And yeah. So the whole thing behind for Vendetta is that he is uh, trying to... Sorry, sorry. I, I, I just need to briefly interrupt. Specifically the V for Vendetta movie because the... V for Vendetta comic book written by Alan Moore is uh, significantly, like, V is significantly less heroic. Yeah. You just need not, to throw that out there. Yeah, it's not um, all that heroic in the movie either. Um, yeah, he's significantly less heroic in the comics. Work that out. Um, so, yeah, the, but the whole idea behind the movie version is that he's basically planting an idea that everybody becomes him at the end of, you know, um, and it just... That he's, you know, he's fighting for, and, and that I think that's something that we see in a lot of heroes, um, is that it's not the hero themselves that people end up being loyal to, just like the doctor. You know, it's what they're, it's they're fighting for something bigger than they are. And that is what, you know, that's what makes them more than just, you know, normal. 
And that, I think I kept like, you know, behind this mask is an idea and ideas. You just can't kill an idea. Very similar to, uh, you know, to uh, The Dark Knight, uh, you know, um, Batman Begins. You know, I need to become a symbol. As a man, I'm mortal. I, I can bleed. I can, but, but as deal, as a symbol. Yeah. Huh. Um, can I get to open this up a bit to, to all you as well, all y'all listening? Uh, what, one, I do apologize for the recent schedule slip. Um, life has been tough for me for the last few months um i'm muddling through as uh, as you are aware if you listened to our uh, mental health episode episode i sometimes have mental health issues that i have to work um and that has definitely been a thing that i've been having to deal with uh honestly for about a month for, for a couple months now i just i've been slogging through it'll get better um but i'm not like fishing for I'm not fishing for, for, for sympathy. It's just, I'm sorry, real life OP. Um, right. Well, and and as being, you know, coming through the other side of some of that, it, you know, for both you and people who might be going through this as well, it does, it can get better. It will, but, yes. Yeah, but you can't, it, it doesn't do it on its own. None of that That's happens correct. on its own. Um, so, I mean, I've had to, you know, and, and right now people are dealing with, you know, pandemic, uh, you know, change in their whole financial situation, change yeah. in their social setup, uh, you know, not being around mm-hmm. people, uh, having to change a lot of things, a lot of stress. So, yeah. It's, yeah, that's just a personal, okay. I apologize. I'm doing my best to try and keep up with the scheduling, but uh, but if it slips, please, uh, please forgive me. I'm doing my best. Uh, yeah. But to, I, I said this all in the wrong order because I did want to say, uh, let's open this up to, uh, to those who listen. Uh, send us send us an email or uh, or leave a comment on our website because you can comment on our website. Um, um, the, they're, the, or let's comment on our YouTube channel because I'll try and actually remember to put this on YouTube um, and get uh, get five different copyright uh, five different companies all trying to fight for uh, for uh, for copyright ownership of my of my uh, work. Um, fair use, fair use. Well, no, it is fair use, but it's also going to uh, exemplify the copyright deadlock. Like happened, like like what happened when I did my top ten uh, solos. All ten of the uh, of the little bits of music that I used all got copyright claimed by ten different companies. Huh. And so uh, YouTube was just like, "Man, I don't know what to do with this. So we're gonna play an ad, and I think we're just gonna take the money." <laughs> right. So. Um, but yeah, if, leave us a comment, send us an email, uh, inter- interact with us on, on our Facebook page. What would you, what, uh, what scenes would you have liked us to cover? Maybe if we get enough, uh, recommendations, we could do a part two. There you go. Uh, it's the best writing you've seen. Yes. Um, episodes coming up. Obviously, Loki will be coming soonish, mm-hmm. uh, as soon as it finishes. I want us to do an episode on Invincible. I haven't seen Black Widow yet, but I figure we'll probably... Too because we do the things. I was gonna see Black Widow tonight, and then things come came up, and I didn't. Um, but I could sometime soonish. Um, so probably some more uh, some more review content coming up here in the near future. Um, I don't really have much else to say. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna reiterate the theme. Mm-hmm. All this stuff, all this crazy stuff that we've been talking about, writers, man, writers. They're yes. half of what's been going on. The other part is the actors who did a really good job. And the directors also did a good job. Like it's writers, directors, and actors because the directors are going to have a lot of uh, are going to have a lot of say in uh, in in the establishment of the character, unless they're a hands off director. But uh, you don't get too many of those in Hollywood, so. right? And you have to- well, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, there's there's uh, 
it's not just the acting that establishes the visual part of it. You know, it's it's yeah. uh, how the shot is done, like how yeah, many the cuts there are, it, what the focus is, all yeah. that stuff. And, you know, obviously but editing plays really a role as well. But for the characterization, it's really primarily those three. Yeah. Characterization primarily falls to the writer, the director, and the and the actor. Yeah, those are the, the main components. Okay. Um, if you're having a hard time uh, with life, we hope that this has helped. Um, things will get better. They are getting better. Please go get vaccinated. Um, Talk to your a, friends. Yeah. <laughs> the vaccine is free. And if you're worried about the mRNA one because it's all, no one's used it yet. One, they've been researching it for like 15 years. We just didn't have a pretty good, uh, we just didn't have a, de a deployment of it yet. But two, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is just like, it's the same as, it's the same vaccines that you got as a kid. Um, it's the same as the tetanus booster you should get every 10 years or anytime you get cut by rusty metal. Um, uses the same, the same basic, uh, same basic uh, concept, so. Which isn't a dead virus. It's uh, it's just pieces of the virus. Because um, that's what strands. primarily gets used these days. Yep. Whereas the mRNA one essentially just makes your uh, makes your body make some of the protein strains yourself. So it's the only big difference. In any case, um, that's a that's a rabbit hole that I ended up going down recently. But we don't need to get into that. Um, thank you for coming out, listening. I don't know why I'm saying coming out. It's not like you're present. You're listening <laughs> to this. It, it, you're listening to this on your phone or on your computer or wherever you get your podcast material. Um, but we hope you enjoyed. This has been Neil. The one true Ben. And Mike. And we'll talk to you next time on Geek Fanthology. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter O and the number 42. Opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm and ending theme is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast or know someone who would, please consider supporting us by sharing on your social media, sending us an email, leaving us a comment, liking, subscribing, following, ringing that bell for notifications, whatever it is that you can do on whatever platform you listen to us on in order to improve the algorithm. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us either by making a one-time donation on our website or making a reoccurring one on our Patreon at patreon.com slash working theory. We really kind of depend on that to be able to improve the quality of the show anymore. A final thought. Champagne? Porthos, we're in the middle of a chase. Now's not the right th now's not the right time. You're right. Something red. <laughs>